Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, what do you know? Facebook got bored of something and left the market in a bit of a mess. The SEC seems to be staffing up to get serious about crypto. Apple accuses a rival of stealing trade secrets. And it seems like Meta wants to start getting those metaverse-enabling headsets into our hands sooner rather than later. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Almost exactly a year ago, I titled an episode, I guess you should listen to this episode on Facebook now, although I guess not. Facebook apparently plans to stop letting users add podcasts to its podcasting service this week and will begin removing all podcasts from its platform on June 3rd and will discontinue Soundbytes and its central audio hub, which, if you'll recall, about a year ago, Mark Zuckerberg was all hot on, quoting Bloomberg. Facebook announced various audio efforts last April during a hot market for podcasting and audio in general, but the company's interest has waned, Bloomberg News reported last month, and it's now focused on other initiatives, disappointing some providers. We're constantly evaluating the features we offer so we can focus on the most meaningful experiences, a Meta spokesperson said in an email. The person added that they didn't have a specific date on when Soundbytes and the Audio Hub would shut down, but it will be in, quote, the coming weeks. In the note to partners, Facebook said it doesn't plan to alert users to the fact that podcasts will no longer be available, leaving it up to the publishers to decide how they want to disclose that information. Live audio rooms will be integrated into Facebook Live, meaning users can choose to go live with just audio or audio and video, end quote. Yeah, remember a year ago before the big metaverse unveiling, Mark Zuckerberg briefly was all about audio experiences on his various platforms, how great short form audio would be wherever he could stick it in. That's what Soundbites was all about. Mark himself showed up in a clubhouse room. Remember Clubhouse? A little behind the scenes about all this, Facebook counted only five seconds of autoplay in your feed as a podcast download. So this as much as double download counts for some podcasts and some podcast hosts. This upset advertisers because they feared they were getting billed for downloads of podcasts where there was no chance their ads were actually heard. And this upset podcast hosts because suddenly their bandwidth bills doubled, like overnight. So, I guess, same as it ever was, Facebook waded into an industry, shook the foundations of that industry, got bored, and left. And left the mess behind them. The SEC plans to add 20 investigators and litigators to its Crypto Assets and Cyber Unit, which was created back in 2017 to monitor crypto fraud, taking it to a grand total of 50 personnel in this department. Seems like crypto and cyber are now priorities over at the SEC, quoting the Wall Street Journal. The commission has positioned itself as the chief government bulwark against fraud in the $1.7 trillion market, which so far has sidestepped most federal consumer and investor protection rules. SEC Chairman Gary Gensler says the crypto industry is rife with fraud and abuse, liking it to the Wild West. The SEC filed nearly 100 crypto-related enforcement actions from 2013 to 2021, according to Cornerstone Research, with most of those targeting new sales of digital coins. Crypto markets have exploded in recent years with retail investors bearing the brunt of abuses in this space, SEC Enforcement Director Gerbier S. Grewal said in a written statement. The bolstered crypto assets and cyber unit will be at the forefront of protecting investors and ensuring fair and orderly markets in the face of these critical challenges, end quote. The SEC has 
so far resolved most cryptocurrency investigations through settlements, although it is litigating with Ripple Labs and two of its executives over the sale of a well-known digital coin, XRP. It is also investigating Binance.us, an affiliate of Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. As the agency pursues cases against bigger and more successful companies, regulators might need to take more claims to federal court. With the addition of 20 enforcers, the SEC's special cryptocurrency unit would have 50 lawyers and other personnel. It will also get a new leader. Christina Littman, the unit's current chief, has announced internally that she plans to leave the agency in June, an SEC spokesman said. In addition to cryptocurrency issuers and trading platforms, the SEC said the unit will scrutinize newer assets such as non-fungible tokens or NFTs, which are digital proofs of purchase for items such as art, baseball cards, or digital music. NFTs are stored and traded on computer networks using the same technology that powers Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. In some cases, lawyers argue, tradable NFTs can meet the legal definition of securities, which could bring them under the SEC's oversight. Mr. Gensler, a longtime regulator who carved out a niche teaching about Bitcoin at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, has struggled to persuade major crypto firms to voluntarily adopt the SEC's investor protections. He has urged cryptocurrency trading platforms to register with the SEC as exchanges saying many of the digital tokens they list are securities and the activity might be illegal if done without any federal oversight, end quote. We just have a whole bunch of regulatory details in the news today and legal stuff. Real quick, how did that recent EU regulatory move against Apple happen? Well, sources say PayPal and others made informal complaints about Apple's NFC restrictions to the European Commission, spurring the EU's formal antitrust complaint, which came out yesterday. Quoting Bloomberg, PayPal, which has its own payment service, was one of the multiple companies making informal complaints about the situation to the Commission, said the people who asked not to be identified because the discussions were private. PayPal offers a tap-to-pay option on Android phones and wants to be able to offer the same feature on Apple's iPhone. This year, Apple will begin letting third parties use the iPhone's NFC chip to accept payments, a feature geared towards small businesses, but it still won't allow consumers with rival services to make payments that way. That situation creates an unequal playing field, the commission alleged in its complaint. Apple has defended its approach by saying that Apple Pay rivals, including PayPal, are still popular on the iPhone even without a tap-to-pay option. It also said that Apple Pay already supports 2,500 banks in Europe. However, the company said it will, quote, continue to engage with the commission to ensure European consumers have access to the payment options of their choice in a safe and secure environment, end quote. Meanwhile, on another side of the regulatory front, might there be a bit of a breather for tech companies, at least in one jurisdiction? Sources say that the United Kingdom has shelved plans to empower its CMA Digital Markets Unit, announced in 2020, hampering its ability to set rules and impose fines, quoting the Financial Times. The government's new legislative program is not expected to include a bill to provide statutory underpinnings to the digital markets unit that is based within the Competition and Markets Authority, said people briefed on the situation. Without the legislation, the UK tech regulator will not be able to set rules for leading internet companies and impose fines on them for breaking those rules. The government announced plans to set up the digital markets unit in 2020 and said it would be given powers to devise codes of conduct for tech companies and fine those that did not comply up to 10% of annual turnover. The unit was established in shadow form last year and is operating with around 60 staff but has no powers beyond the Competition and Markets Authority's existing capabilities. 
The Queen's speech, due on May 10th, which will outline the government's legislative program for the coming year, is not expected to include a bill that would provide the unit with statutory powers. It comes after the government dropped a bill from the Queen's speech on long-delayed reform to audit and corporate governance following several corporate scandals. Tory officials said Boris Johnson was going cold on state intervention in the economy. David Canzini, the Prime Minister's Deputy Chief of Staff, has told colleagues to scale back their legislative demands. He's told us that conservative governments don't legislate their way to prosperity and growth, said one conservative official. Julian Knight, Tory chair of the Commons Digital, Culture, Media, and Sport Committee, said if legislation to empower the tech regulator was not in the Queen's speech, it would, quote, damage the credibility of the whole enterprise. It would be a hammer blow to the capability of the UK to regulate these sectors, he added, end quote. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features Features, help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. And in a lawsuit, Apple has alleged that system-on-a-chip startup Rivos stole trade secrets after poaching more than 40 engineers from Apple and that at least two of those departing employees took gigabytes of confidential information from Apple. Quoting 9to5Mac, Apple is suing a stealth startup called Rivos 
for poaching engineers with access to secret company information. According to the complaint, Apple believes former employees stole proprietary information at the request of Rivos as part of the recruiting process. While much isn't known about Rivos for now, the startup primarily targets silicon engineers in job listings. Apple says the startup wants to design chips that will compete with their own, but the company believes Rivos is doing that with proprietary Apple information. Starting in June 2021, Rivos began a coordinated campaign to target Apple employees with access to Apple proprietary and trade secret information about Apple's system-on-a-chip designs, Apple says in the complaint. Prior to the lawsuit, Apple sent Rivos a letter to explain the confidentiality agreements to which its former employees were bound, but the startup had no response. Apple accuses outgoing employees poached by Rivos of stealing, quote, gigabytes of sensitive system-on-a-chip specifications and design files in the lawsuit as well. The filing explains, quote, Some used multiple USB storage drives to offload material to personal devices, accessed Apple's most proprietary specifications stored within collaboration applications, and used AirDrop to transfer files to personal devices. Others saved voluminous presentations on existing and unreleased Apple systems on a chip, marked Apple proprietary and confidential, to their personal cloud storage drives. One even made a full time machine backup of his entire Apple device onto a personal external drive, end quote. In the lawsuit against Rivos, Apple names two former engineers who previously worked on its chip team who joined Rivos last fall. Apple's lawsuit aims, quote, to recover its trade secrets, to protect them from further disclosure, and to uncover the full extent of their use to try to mitigate the harm that has and will occur, end quote. And maybe a fire really has been lit under Mark Zuckerberg. He knows investors might not want to wait a decade for his whole metaverse play to pay off. Seems like he wants to show the fruits of these efforts sooner rather than later, because the information is reporting that Meta plans four VR headsets by 2024. A source says a high-end mixed-reality headset called Cambria, once set for 2021, could debut in September. Quote, Meta is planning to release Project Cambria, a high-end VR and mixed reality headset it is billing as a device for the future of work around September, according to a person familiar with the matter. Cambria was originally supposed to come out last year, but its launch was delayed by supply chain and other pandemic-related issues, which could again push back the launch date, the person said. A second version of Cambria, codenamed Funston, is slated to come out in 2024. Meanwhile, Meta plans two new versions of its less expensive Quest headset, internally codenamed Stinson and Cardiff, for release in 2023 and 2024, the roadmap shows. All four codenames for the devices on Meta's Cambria and Quest lines refer to locations in California, following the pattern of the earliest Quest prototypes made under the name Project Santa Cruz. In other words, Meta's plan is to release a high-end VR headset and a lower-cost one on alternating years, while Quest 2 retails at $299 for the 128GB version and $399 for the 256GB version, Cambria is expected to cost around $799, according to two people familiar with the matter. A Meta spokesperson said, however, the price would be significantly higher. Meta's long-awaited augmented reality glasses were also slated to come out in 2024 with a more advanced version due in 2026, according to The Verge. A Meta spokesperson said that hardware development typically operates on long timelines and it is common for target ship dates to change during the course of development. The ambitious plans show how Meta is hoping to reinforce its early lead in the VR market, established through its ownership of headset maker Oculus, whose devices now carry the Quest brand. As competition is about to increase, several companies, including Apple, ByteDance-owned P1 
Pico Interactive, and French mixed reality startup Lynx are racing to launch new VR and mixed reality headsets within the next year, end quote. And finally today, we know that SpaceX has reusable space vehicles because its rockets return to Earth and land on their own. But get this, quoting Engadget, Rocket Lab has taken a huge step towards making its Electron Orbital Launch Vehicle a reusable rocket. The company has successfully captured Electron's first stage mid-air with a helicopter for the first time upon its return to Earth after deploying 34 satellites to orbit. To ensure that the first stage will survive its re-entry into the atmosphere, Rocket Lab reoriented it into the ideal angle that would give it the best chances to withstand tremendous heat and pressure. A drogue parachute then deployed to increase drag before the main parachute opened up in the final part of its descent. The company sent a Sikorsky S-92 helicopter to rendezvous with the returning stage at 6,500 feet in the air using a hook on a cable to capture the booster's parachute line. While the catch was a success, Rocket Lab CEO Peter Beck said on Twitter that the pilots weren't happy with the way the booster was hanging below the helicopter and opted to drop it into the ocean. It was eventually retrieved and loaded onto a vessel for transport back to Rocket Lab's HQ for reflight assessment. Rocket Lab said the test gave its helicopter pilot, quote, different load characteristics than previously experienced in testing and will provide important information for future helicopter captures. The goal is to be able to grab the booster mid-air and bring it straight back to land instead of having to drop it into the sea, since saltwater could damage the booster. If the company successfully proves it can reuse its boosters similar to what SpaceX can do, it can ramp up launch frequency and reduce mission costs for small satellites. The company has another launch scheduled for May, but it's unclear if it will attempt another helicopter recovery." End quote. Nothing for you today, but we do have this classified. One more bit of news from our Ride Home Fund portfolio company, Grupa. Grupa is raising their next round. They're getting a lot of traction, and this round is likely going to close in a week. They've been talking to some top VCs right now, and you know I participated in the first round. So if you're a VC or an investor and you want to jump in on this new round, I'll put you in touch with the team to score some allocation. If you're a VC or investor interested in joining the group around, DM me on Twitter or email brian at ridehomefund.com. 